Scripture says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let's talk about the real gospel today. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chain Lake Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so thankful that you have joined us, that you've downloaded this podcast today. We believe that you are listening for a reason and a purpose, and God has placed you where you are for that reason and purpose, and we are praying that God will reveal that reason and purpose for you today, if not very soon, all right? Hey, uh, again, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, today is a, a special guest that I've brought aboard. I mentioned this last week. Um, it's actually a recording from this past Sunday. Uh, my friend Adam Taylor, one of our pastors on staff here at Chandler Acres, um, gave a message today regarding the gospel. And uh, so I've, we want you to enjoy, sit back and listen uh, to his message today. Uh, my name is Adam. Many of you guys see me up here with a guitar, and I'm very honored to have the opportunity to stand before you today in a different venue. Um, this morning, uh, the Lord has given me a word to bring to you guys, and there it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I heard many people say, oh, Dan's really cool. He's got some visual aids, so this is my visual aid this morning. I hope you enjoy it. It's the best I could do. So, uh, But no... Um, one thing I want to talk about is, is a word, just a word this morning. That's all the Lord has really given me to talk about. And words are amazing things. Uh, from the moment we're born, we are almost bombarded with words. As we grow, we are encouraged to speak words. We all go to school so we can learn how to correctly say words, write words, and put words together. Many of us in this room have used words on numerous occasions, have you not? But have you ever thought what a word is? If you go to the Webster Dictionary, it's really interesting. They define a word as a single, distinct, meaningful element of speech or writing. See, that, uh, that is used sometimes alone or with others. There you go. Make sure you're listening. To form a sentence that is typically shown with a space on either side or print. That is the definition of a word. But have you ever thought about word or more importantly, words? In 2019, a year for the COVID pandemic, it was recorded that the Webster Dictionary added over a thousand new words and definitions to its pages. Over 600 of them were added between the months of January and April. And as Americans, we love to do this, do we not? I want you to go in your mind and think about how much we as Americans love to make up new words and redefined existing words. Amen? How many of you have young adults, young children, youth that you hang around with? How many times have they come into your presence and said new words that you've never heard of before? Like LOL, which by the way is actually in the dictionary now. Surprisingly. 
But we love to do this. For some of our older listeners, I'm sure you can remember when you were young, there were certain words that you could say out and about that no one would be offended by. But if you said them today, they might be. In the same respects, there are certain words that you guys probably remember when you were young that if you said would be offensive, and if you said them today, nobody would have the slightest clue what you were speaking about. Amen? Our young people love to create new phrases and new words, and as Americans, we love to do it too. But surprisingly, this is not anything new. And this morning, the Lord has given me a word to bring to you that since it was given... We have been trying to redefine it. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be using the book of Galatians as our springboard today. However, this is not the only portion of Scripture that teaches us about this word or shows us this word. But we are going to be looking at the term gospel this morning. And I don't know if you're online, I don't want you to type anything in the message. If you're in person, I don't want you to say anything out loud, but I want you to ask yourself the question and answer it to your mind. If I were to ask you right now, can you define what the gospel is? What would your answer be? You've heard that word. It's been said in churches. It's been preached. It's been written down. But how do you define it? We're going to look at that this morning. That will be our focal point. But To jump off with, we're going to dive into the book of Galatians where Paul addresses this very topic. And in verse, excuse me, in chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, Paul begins his letter by saying the following I am astonished that you so quickly uh, deserted the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ Jesus and have turned to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidentially, some people are throwing you into confusion and they are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And I am now not trying to win the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, would I not be Christ's servant any longer? Amen. What's going on right now at this time is Paul is writing a letter to the churches in Galatia. Now, the churches in Galatia, there's actually more than one, historians tell us. So Paul has heard of something that's kind of disturbing him. And he didn't have the ability to pick up his cell phone. He didn't have the ability to jump online, send a tweet, send a fax, send an email. So he sat down with pen and paper and he wrote a letter. And what has primarily gone on in the churches in Galatia, people have come together and they've accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these people had two main backgrounds. First of all, there was a group of people that came from Jewish backgrounds, meaning they were raised Jewish. They followed Jewish customs. They believed in the Jewish religion. And now they have converted to Christianity and they follow Christ Jesus. There's another group of people who are considered the Gentiles. And in like-minded, they followed the Gentile practices. For those of you who are a little confused about these two groups of people, the Jewish people are people that primarily followed the teachings given to us in the Old Testament. The Gentiles were everybody else. So hopefully that clears up those two groups. And Paul has gotten word that there has been a group of people in the churches of Galatia who have gone around and they've been teaching a different gospel, which is actually no gospel at all. And what they've been teaching in part is you've accepted Jesus Christ. You've accepted 
the death of Jesus on the cross and the salvation that comes with that. That's great. But in addition to that, you need to follow the law. And Paul writes in the church of Galatians, he says, wait a minute, I've been hearing that you guys are teaching something different, and I'm writing this letter to reset and correct things. And Paul goes to break it down. If you continue in uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Galatians, Paul writes and he says, I want you guys to remember who I am. He almost gives us his testimony. And he says, I was called by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. You may remember, I was walking down the road and God struck me. And he called me to preach to the Gentiles. But I didn't immediately go. Paul says, I went and I studied for three years. And then I went and I presented myself to Peter. You guys know Peter. He's one of the great patriarchs. And I met with Peter to make sure that my calling was sincere. And then I went out and I preached the gospel. I met with other patriarchs of the faith. Paul is writing and he's saying, remember who I am. I am not just writing words on a paper that mean nothing. I have put the work in. And I am reminding you that we brought the gospel to you. Do not forget the gospel. And this morning, as in the days that Paul put pen to paper, there are some that forget what the gospel is. But what is the gospel? You've asked yourself that question this morning, and you've answered it. I want to start out by giving you just a very brief, simple definition. You can expound on it later on. But I want to start out by saying what the gospel is not. I personally came to faith in Jesus Christ when I was roughly 16 years old. I did grow up in a Christian home, but we didn't always go to church when I was younger. But at a teenager level, I did come to faith in Christ, and I've continued that since then. Most of my learning was in college, and I did understand the term gospel here. And in the years, I've heard many things that the gospel is, and you might have heard some of these as well. One thing that I've heard the gospel is, which I will apologize to you, is wrong, is I've heard people say, let me tell you the gospel, which is how I came to know Christ. And if that by chance is how you define the gospel, I want to apologize to you, that is not the gospel. A better word is testimony. Because if it's my story of how I came to find Christ, the emphasis is on me. And I want to share with you, beloved, the emphasis of the gospel is on Jesus. Some would say that, let me share with you the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus has done in my life. Jesus has given me peace, and Jesus has given me healing, and Jesus has given me a purpose, and Jesus has given me rest. Beloved, I want to share with you, sadly, that is not the gospel. Because the gospel is about Jesus. Some would share with you that the gospel is about God's plan for my life. That God has a purpose for me. Beloved, sadly, that is true. And while the gospel directly affects you, and while the gospel is for you, you are not the center point of the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. A lot of times, to use an illustration, the gospel is one of those duct tape words. Anybody know what a duct tape word is? Now, this is, my, uh, this is my daughter's duct tape. I know you're looking at it and going, that's not a roll of duct tape. This is my daughter's. I'm more of a standard gray fellow myself. But my daughter, being a, a cute little girl, she likes color. So this is her. But I brought it mainly so I could make that sound. Ooh, sounds like something's getting fixed, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Duct tape is, uh, is one of the most amazing things in the world today. We use duct tape for everything, right? Like, you got a flat tire outside? Don't worry. I got you fixed up. 
We'll get it in five minutes, you know. Car door fell off, I can fix that too. Roll of duct tape. I'm sure you've even seen those pictures. There's a, a wing loose on the airplane. Don't worry, John's got some duct tape. We'll get this sucker off the ground. A lot of times the gospel is a duct tape word. We can do anything with it. It can mean whatever I want it to mean, and it'll fit just like it's supposed to, and it'll be fixed up. Sometimes words don't necessarily need to be fixed with duct tape. Amen? The term gospel is one that we have defined in many different ways. And I want to give you a simple definition of it today. The best one that I have is actually from the Scripture. We're going to put it up on the overhead. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, For I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The gospel is used some 90 times in the New Testament Scripture. It comes from the Greek word, hopefully I'm not going to butcher it, elangelion. Let me know if I said that wrong, somebody. You can type it online and go, oh, you're terrible at saying Greek words. That's right, because I don't speak that. Elangelion. It's up there. It's where we get the word evangelize from. And it literally means good news. The gospel literally translates into good news. But what does that mean? It's about the life and the death of Jesus Christ and how that affects us directly. But what does it mean? The problem with good news is good news doesn't make a lot of sense unless you know what the bad news is, right? I'll give you an example. Many years ago, um, I met a, a beautiful young lady and I decided that I wanted to get married to her. All right? Some of you have met her. Her name is Melanie. She's very sweet. I went to the jewelry store and I picked out an engagement ring. Some of you have, might have done this. And as I'm talking with the person who's selling the engagement ring, I said, ooh, let me, see, let me see that one right there. And before he grabbed the ring, he grabbed this black cloth and threw the black cloth out there, and then he put the ring on top of it. And under those lights and against that black cloth, the contrast was very apparent. Sometimes to understand something, we need a little contrast, right? We need to compare it to something. And that is exactly what Paul does. Paul writes in the churches of Galatia in verses, or excuse me, chapters 3 and 4, and he says, let me remind you what we preached. Let me remind you the gospel message that we gave you guys when we first came there. And you can turn there this week and look at it yourself. Paul writes and he says, think about the law. God gave us the law, and the law was good, but all the law was was a measuring stick to bring us to Christ. It was like our school teacher to get us ready for Jesus. And that often is what the law is. Not too long ago, I was sitting with some youth in a car, and I was asked that very question. Man, it's really weird. Why did God give us the Ten Commandments if He was just going to come along and have Jesus lay down His life for all of us? And the answer is simple. God gave us the Ten Commandments as a contrast. I'm going to give you an example this morning that I would expect many of you have heard, but it's the best way to get this point across that I am familiar with. And often it's called the good person test. Again, if you're online or here, don't answer out loud, but answer in your mind. I want to ask you a few questions, though, just to kind of get the point across. Do you consider yourself to be a good person? Many people would say yes. Great. Let's test that. Have you ever told a lie? Most of you would be honest and go, yes. Some of you would be unhonest and go, no. Amen? 
What do you call someone who tells a lie? A liar. Pastor Adam, have you ever told a lie? Yes! Many times! And I don't say that proudly, but I want you to know that it happens. Have you ever stolen anything? It could be something from the grocery store, the convenience store, the gas station. You could go in the bank, get the pen, sign the name on your check, put the pen in your pocket, walk out. Whoops! God is not impressed with the quality of the thing you stole, just that you stole something. Have you ever done that? I again will confess, yes. I've stolen things, both intentionally and unintentionally. What do you call someone who steals? A thief. The third one, and the one we'll stop at, the Bible tells us that man should not commit adultery. And Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of Matthew that if someone looks so much with lust in their heart, they've already committed adultery in their heart. Have you ever done that? I will admit that I have. So we go before the throne of God. We're in a courtroom situation, and we're judged by the Ten Commandments. And by our own admission, we've confessed that we are lying, thieving, adulterer at heart, which is only three out of the Ten Commandments. God, being a righteous judge, stands before us with gavel in hand. How does God judge? Guilty. Some would say, no, 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 not my God. My God wouldn't do that. My God is a good judge, and He wouldn't do that. But can you call a judge good if He would let those that are guilty go without punishment? No, you cannot. Many of us have seen judge room uh, examples on TV, Judge Judy, law and order, and we know that a good judge will follow the law and give righteous judgment based on that. So God, being a good judge, would look at us and go, guilty. And as the hammer falls... The gospel comes into play for those who believe in Jesus. And as the sentence is carried out, Jesus comes in and takes our place. While the punishment is being dealt out because we have transgressed and broken the law, Jesus steps on the scene. And that, beloved, is the gospel. That while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Christ has come to be us, to take our place. Amen? Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, as he does to the churches in Rome, as he does to the churches in Corinth, and he says these things, For I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Many times today, as we go out and about, as we meet with people, and as the question is asked, do you believe in Jesus? We answer it in so many different ways. And beloved, coming off the heels of the sermon that Pastor Dan just gave us, as we go into the world and cast our nets, I would encourage you, beloved, to take with you the gospel. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans, chapter 1. A very popular and common verse that many of you have probably said and recited. Romans, chapter 1, verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, and then to the Gentile. As we go into the world and as we... Share our testimonies, beloved. Remember, the gospel is what brings salvation. Because it is only through Jesus Christ that we are forgiven for our sins. And this morning, this is the word that God has given me to share with you. It is only through looking at the bad news that we can understand the good news. And for those of us who do follow Jesus, going back to that courtroom situation, what is our attitude, therefore, for God? 
Do we follow God's law because He saved us, because it's the right thing to do? Or do we follow God's law because He saved us and we are thankful for that? Amen? I'm going to ask the instruments to come back up here. I want to close with one thought. The gospel is the good news that Jesus loved the world enough to send His Son to die for us. John 3.16 says, For all have sinned. Excuse me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the gospel. Amen, Adam. I hope you guys enjoyed the message today from Adam. I know I did yesterday. It was fantastic. Hey, guys, I hope you'll join us next week as we start a new series called Bad Advice. Bad Advice. Believe it or not, uh, we want to learn from God and, and take bad advice and grow from it. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.